I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Wednesday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll into what should be A very illuminating and fun show. Buck is here in Nashville. As we mentioned yesterday, we are in our Nashville studio uh, having a good time here. We appreciate all of you. Giving you a little roadmap where we're headed. Governor Stitt of Oklahoma will join us in the second hour. Then Raymond Arroyo from Fox News. Many of you see him on Laura Ingram's show. Uh, He will be with us in the third hour. Lots of different stories. The border is falling apart. Uh, We have stupidity from Whoopi Goldberg on The View, go figure. Nordstrom shutting down in San Francisco, continuing uh, the ridiculousness of San Francisco falling apart. Tucker Carlson under siege uh, as more and more leaks continue to come out about him. But as the last 30 minutes or so, a breaking news story from the Washington Post about Hunter Biden, and potential charges that may be coming. And I want to just give you some of the details from this story that just came out in the last hour or so. Headline, Prosecutors Near Charging Decision in Hunter Biden Case. A meeting between prosecutors and defense lawyers comes towards the end of an investigation. Of course, this is the four-year-long investigation into the Hunter Biden laptop and potential charges that could have been proved based on that laptop. Here is the opening paragraph from the Washington Post. Prosecutors are nearing a decision on whether to charge uh, President Biden's son, Hunter, with tax and gun-related violations, according to people familiar with the matter. The culmination of a four-year investigation Republicans have sought to portray as evidence the Biden family is corrupt. Story says Biden's attorneys met at the Justice Department last week to discuss the case with U.S. Attorney David Weiss of Delaware, uh, according to people familiar with the matter who spoke on the condition of uh, anonymity, to discuss an ongoing criminal investigation. Typically, according to the Washington Post, that sort of meeting in which the defense lawyers urge prosecutors not to seek an indictment or to seek reduced charges comes towards the end of that investigation. People familiar with the matter said Weiss nearing the end of his decision-making process. Okay, Uh, they cautioned the probe has taken longer than some officials thought it would and that law enforcement officials have been frustrated. Um. What do you think, Buck? This would have, obviously, very significant impact on Joe Biden's recently announced presidential campaign. What I have been saying, I think for over a year now, maybe even a couple of years, is that I expect that there will be some form of charges brought here. Now, this obviously would be unprecedented for a sitting president's son to be facing felony charges, It would also significantly 
add a monstrous amount of uh, attention and also legitimacy to Republican arguments, which I think are very legitimate, that the Biden crime family has been involved in many different crimes. So, Buck, how do you analyze this Washington Post story that just came out? Anybody who understands, just as a as a way, I think, of prefacing the whole discussion that we're getting into now about what's going to happen, and then understands the purpose of a special counsel, why special counsels even exist, should first be reminded that this is why a special counsel exists, by the way. This is one where there has not been the appointment of a special counsel. But when you have the sitting president's son yeah. under possible federal indictment, that is why, because the idea is, quite obviously, you can't trust the White House, which oversees the Department of Justice, to, right now, what do we have, Clay? We have Merrick Garland, Biden employee's word, that he will allow this to proceed without any political interference or pressure whatsoever. Does anybody believe that? It's already taken longer than anyone thought it Four would. Four years. Right. So... That is suspicious to begin with. There should have been a special counsel appointed. There has not. That decision was political. Just wanted to start with that. Where this goes, I've been saying since we've been talking about this, they will do some sort of absolute bare minimum, no jail time, no, probably if they can get away with it, no felony, deferred prosecution, pay a fine, admit to some very low-level Financial Which could be what that meeting that the Washington yes. Post is reporting about is involving the negotiations about yeah. what exactly might transpire. There will not be a trial. But see, this is where it gets really interesting. We don't know what happens in that room and what kind of offers um, are being discussed right now. We'll find out what comes out of it eventually. I think we all know it's going to be a sweetheart deal for Hunter Biden, almost almost certainly. Um, when you're talking about millions of dollars of on, I mean, there are a lot of accountants, I'm sure, who listen to this. And, and I would just put this out there to all of you. <laughs> if any of you want to call in and tell us if I'm off base here, if you have an, if you are, are, uh, an accountant, you have a client who says, look, I may have set up a bunch of LLCs and I may have gotten millions of dollars of payments from foreign, uh, foreign government intermediaries. That I just didn't declare any taxes on for a number of years and then used to pay a whole bunch of expenses. The, the, those, those accountants would probably have a heart attack, right? Yeah. I mean, not declaring income from any source, but from foreign sources to the tune of, you know, millions and millions of dollars. That's what people go to prison for. I mean, just got, just talk to Wesley Snipes, by the way, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what people, for those who, I was a big Wesley Snipes fan back in the day, Major League, Blade. And he went away for, I think it was three or four years. You have to be super rich, first of all, to even be able to owe millions of dollars in back taxes, right? Most people, even if they didn't pay their taxes for years and years and years, would never be able right. to accrue a tax bill like this. You're usually in a, in a tax issue. There's the, well, I thought and my, and, and that's real, by the way, because the tax code is so opaque and thousands and thousands of pages, but it's, well, I thought I could do this or I wrote off that and maybe, but if you're just like, I didn't make this money and I'm not paying taxes on it, that's about as bright red letter violation as you're, as you're going to find. Um, and, and so I think that you're going to see a, a, uh, pretty obviously sweetheart deal for Hunter Biden. But I would just say this, Clay, as long as here's how I see it playing out. Even even up to let's say there's something a, a little bit more serious. Let's say he pleads to a felony, but there's no jail time, which which is that that would be a little bit more um, than what I would anticipate. But he pleads to felonies, but no prison time as part of the deal. That's the thing. He'll pay some massive fine. Um, even in that situation, the firewall they have is the Hunter to Joe Biden, the president connection. The letting Hunter Biden twist in the wind a little bit here, if it comes to that becomes for the media and you know how they're going to do this they're going to say oh it's just he struggles with addiction and hunter is his only you know surviving son and joe just loves his son so much they will turn this into a sympathy point for joe biden that the wayward son that remains of the biden now i'm saying what the media narrative around this will be but i i think that'll be reasonably effective until you get money from Hunter to Joe, until you can show the crime family in operation, and by the way, they'll do everything to fight that from coming out, um, I think they turn this into, into a sympathy play for Joe Biden, no matter what the outcome of the trial is. 
So I think they're going to have to bring charges. I I have just, you know, I've got the Marco Polo report, Buck, for people out there who know what I'm talking about. This is like a, you know, 600-page investigation that somebody published, and you can flip through it, and you can see all the detailed crimes. I, I actually think that if they bring charges, which I believe they will, this could be the beginning of a monstrous collapse for Joe Biden. And, and let me just, let me just lay out the possibility here. First of all, as soon as there are charges brought, any argument of, Oh, that laptop is fake is out the window, right? I mean, it is, it is out the window. And so Secretary of State Blinken, for instance, and everyone else who helped to spread the lie that this laptop was not actually real, they're on the clock too. I also think it emboldens and enforces, reinforces perhaps, all of the other potential criminal entanglements involving the Biden family. Because once you find one little tendril of truth and you keep pulling it, it gets harder and harder to deny. And I just think that Hunter is the linchpin here because if they charge him first of all it would take a year right i mean we know these cases don't move rapidly now your point if he pled down to a charge and this thing they tried to just put it away i actually think that's the smartest play for the bidens is he admits to some uh illegal illegal behavior and it just vanishes if he doesn't do that it puts his dad really on the clock because do you think that hunter would get a uh would get a pardon from his dad? I kind of think you would and then we get into that really politically toxic idea of giving that and if he got re- I, I think if Clay, he got reelected he could do it. Yeah, but but there's that puts so much more faith in the system's willingness to uphold the rule of law without politics remember, than I think it deserves Remember right my now. theory though. That if you charge Hunter, even if it's a low level, it's so offense, you can charge Trump. It right. allows you to charge Trump because I think this has been but, my big argument for a while. Merrick Garland wants to be able to say when he charges Trump, we're applying the law without favor. This is whether it's the president's son or the former president of the United States. No one is above the law. If they charge Hunter with relatively low level offenses, which aren't that significant, it opens the door to i think high level charges against well, but Trump. I, but i think that's re- that's really significant right you, you when you're saying they're bringing charges they could bring charges that could send him to prison for years yes or they could agree to a plea deal where he just pays additional fines and admits some level of financial impropriety to me the second one is still a sweep away and they say okay we're all done here and it doesn't even factor into but all it, this well stuff. it allows them to then claim that nobody's getting preferential treatment right but we but i don't know how much we care well maybe they're trying to play to the independence right because I we know we know there is preferential, preferential treatment this is, so this this is why yes. so they this is a little bit like when they were running the you know the January 6 Liz Cheney specials we're sitting here saying you know who cares about yeah, this stuff right. well they were going after one percent. It worked. They were going. It absolutely worked, and it's very frustrating. And you know, a lot of us felt like, how could twenty twenty two have gone that way? They were playing a very, a very dirty but very effective game in how they presented what was going on in the country. Um, look, it's a whole different situation now. With Donald Trump's already been indicted, right? Yeah. To bring the first indictment being a federal conspiracy to commit sedition. He's going to be charged with, in my opinion, with the election fraud in effort Atlanta. in Atlanta, Georgia, this summer. Yep. Because why not, right? Yep. I mean, if you're if you're a Willis, I keep forgetting. I think it's Wills or Fanny Willis. Willis. Willis, thank you. If you're that prosecutor, what's the downside of bringing zero. that case? There's zero. Yes. You're a hero. Are you kidding me? You're going to get a million dollar the book next deal. Democrat, also statewide elective official, probably going to run for governor, right? And you and you become yes. a hero to the to the to the Democrat party, or you know, run for some statewide office. So there's no downside to it. Um, it is interesting that I think the, in the in the Proud Boys trial, I saw a Julie Kelly updating on this. They haven't yet gotten a definitive on whether seditious conspiracy is going to go through. A bunch of charges are going to go through, and those guys are facing a long time in prison. But they really want to get a seditious conspiracy charge on the record because 
then it's kind of like the mafia. They there's the mafia, it. you know, soldiers, and yes. then there's the mafia boss. And their whole story at the Merrick Garden level is going to be Donald Trump is the mafia boss and, you know, told everybody to do everything on January 6th. So I think you're seeing multiple uh, multiple charges coming against Donald Trump. Um, and now that he's so far out ahead, I think it makes it even more likely that, that all this is going to happen, right? This is the way they're going to. But on the Hunter Biden issue... So you're on the record. You don't think that there's going to be any charges brought. Where would no, you be I, now? I, I, I've been saying all along they're going to make. It's going to be little. It's going to be like the equivalent of parking ticket stuff. So which you is, think which they'll just fix. like deferred, like the, the, yeah, the, deferred. Like, they're going to do. They're going to do a look. They're going to say char- There's going to be a headline that'll yeah. say charges against Hunter Biden. This is what I thought all along, and then it'll come out that in the plea agreement, it's he's going to pay. A five hundred thousand dollar fine. He's going to lose, you know, his legal license, or is he a lawyer or whatever? I yeah. think he is a lawyer. Right, he is a lawyer. Right? Still, I, I don't know if he even, still has a which license. Is amazing. Yeah, I want to see his. Client. He went to Yale Law School. I think. Uh, I know. Isn't that amazing? Isn't yeah. it phenomenal? Unless, how unless these I'm schools, mistaken, I, I believe he's an elite law joke. school grad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. The, I think one of the Cuomos went to Yale Law School too. Anyway, it's fascinating to see how that plays out. But he's going to pay a fine, deferred prosecution, de- prosecution, no prison time, and then. Garland, everybody says, they say what you're saying, which is, see, we don't, the yeah, that, that opens the door but, to the charges against Trump. But that, but that is, I, I think they're going to do that anyway. I don't think Garland cares at this point about I, that. I think, I think, well, let's keep talking about this because I think it's interesting. Also, I'm curious what people out there think, 800-282-2882, because I think this is the single most impactful thing that could occur that there's a there's a I, I I'm just gonna tell you I worry Clay that the sympathy thing is gonna be a big Joe Biden has has he has suffered family tragedy in the yeah, past as we know right. several family tragedies but he has leveraged that politically in ways his that entire have been, political career his whole career he's lied about he lied about how his first wife died he got sworn into that? office in his kids uh in his kids hospital room with photographers present i'm telling you this is this is my strange. my concern is that this becomes oh the drug addicted son of joe biden he's such a good guy grandpa joe stands beside hunter and it may not work out the way that some people would anticipate politically well let's also All right, let's, we got to come yeah, back we, we're and we also it. got some audio because hunter's actually in court right now over Something this else. illegitimate child that he had in arkansas yeah. with a stripper and we got some audio. Also for you. known as, you know, President Joe Biden's grandchild. That's, That's right. It's just a statement of fact. I don't know why he would disown. It's not the grandchild's fault. With inflation on the rise and the stock market more volatile than ever, protecting your retirement savings can be a challenge. To weather today's economic uncertainty, the Phoenix Capital Group recommends diversifying your investments right now. They recommend high value U.S. oil and gas with current yields that range from 8% to 12% APY paid monthly. That's a better rate of return than banks or CDs with no middleman. They're also both regulation A plus and regulation D corporate bond offerings with different maturities, qualifications, and rates. There's also a 9% APY starting at a $5,000 investment, which is open to all investors. Download the Phoenix Capital Group's free investor guide today at phxonair.com. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 8 to 12% APY. Go to phxonair.com. That's phxonair.com. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Voices of sanity in an insane world. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been juicy. The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. 
Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Second hour of Play Ed Buck starts right now. Thanks for being here with us, everybody, all across the country. We have now with us Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma. Governor Stitt, we know you're you're super busy trying to uh, do the best possible for the good people of your state. Um, you just signed earlier this week a bill that, well, there's the way that the the uh, Democrat media is writing about it. It basically prevents uh, children from having gender mutilation surgery done to them by going after doctors. Can can you just tell us what what's contained in the bill and what the reaction has been? Well, listen, in, in Oklahoma, I mean, it's common sense. I've had so many people just thank me, call me, text me, Governor, thank you for protecting our young people. Listen, all it says is we're not going to let mutilation, gender surgeries, harmful surgeries happen to minors. That's all it says. And I've been public to say, listen, if you want to do an elective surgery after you're an adult and you're going to pay for it, go knock yourself out. But we're not going to use taxpayer dollars, and we're certainly not going to let it happen to our youth. We've got to protect them. They can't, you know, buy alcohol or cigarettes or get tattoos. And, and then we think it's okay to let them mutilate their bodies like that. That's just, it's nonsense. It's not going to happen in Oklahoma. Kevin and uh, Governor Stitt, I just have to ask you as well, are, because I haven't seen this in the, uh, in the write-ups of it, what kind of opposition from Oklahoma State Democrats did this bill receive, or did some of them go along with it? You know, I can't, I'll have to pull up the exact vote count, but yeah, they all vote in a block. They all vote against anything that's common sense, in my opinion. And so, so they, sure they, they voted against voted. this. They did not go, that, that's all we really need to know. They went along with it. Uh, they're, sorry, they would not go along with this. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, Governor, yeah. appreciate you coming on. You're around uh, both of our ages. And would you have ever believed, I, I, I was tweeting about this recently, that we would be in a place where kids would be having transgender surgeries, which is wild. And also simultaneously that if you say men who identify as women shouldn't be able to compete in women's athletics, you mentioned Democrats voting in block. I believe only RFK Jr. of someone who affiliates with the Democrat Party has even been willing to say women who identify, men who identify as women shouldn't be able to compete in women's athletics. I mean, where do we go from here? Because it seems like the legislation that you signed is very important, but we're truly to a place where insanity is the preferred position of one of the major political parties out there when it comes to just simple things like athletics. Well, you said it so well. I mean, I signed that bill. We we, uh, we said, listen, you know, boys are going to play in boys sports, girls are going to play in girls. I had the Washington Post interview me, and they were like, Governor, you signed this controversial bill. And I said, well, hang on, hang on. It's not really controversial in Oklahoma. We know the difference between boys and girls, and it's fundamentally unfair for a 14-year-old trying to get a scholarship or playing volleyball or a, or a college athlete, uh, track star at the University of Oklahoma, uh, to compete against biological males. And that's just so common sense to us. We, we, we think that the left has lost their mind, and I'm telling you, it is – it is causing the uh, a lot of different normally Democratic voters to swing our direction because they know how crazy this is, and uh, and they have daughters in fourth grade that they want to protect, um, and 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 so it, 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 to us, 
it's just common sense, and we have to have more people standing up, just calling us, calling, just saying, "Listen, this is this is right and wrong." We're speaking to Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma, uh, Governor. You know, just last week, uh, the Justice, the Biden Justice Department announced that they are suing the state of Tennessee for its uh, law that protects children from transgender surgeries, which I believe is quite similar to what you just signed this week. So uh, are you prepared for and are you expecting that the Biden DOJ is going to bring suit against your state? And, and what would that mean? Well, you know, the, the federal government sometimes tries to, you know, intimidate states and with federal dollars. And uh, But, man, this is all of our taxpayer dollars, and that's a very dangerous, um, you know, path to go down when the federal government can, you know, stop funding roads and bridges or trying to push their agenda uh, to our Department of Health and our health care authority and the way we run our Medicaid because – you know, we believe in the Tenth Amendment, which just basically says that what's not specifically given to the federal government belongs to the state or the people, the states or the people. And so we're so much closer. And I'll be the first to tell you that I represent four million Oklahomans, and we're going to do things different than they do in California or they might do in, in Texas or Illinois. And that's the great thing about our country is there's 50 different examples of, of democracies, laboratories of democracies <laughs> and, 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 and so we're going to do things differently. We believe in low taxes. We believe in smaller government. We believe in freedoms. Uh, I refuse to shut my state down during COVID. And now you're seeing people move to Oklahoma. We're top 10 right now, and people move into our state because of our pro-freedom, uh, pro-business policies, and traditional family values. We believe in this. Governor, you're obviously a uh, a neighbor of Texas, and I'm wondering, as Title 42 is set to be repealed next week, whether you guys in Oklahoma are having to prepare for a potential influx of illegal immigration and or what you think governors should be able to do to respond to what's happening at our southern border, which Joe Biden seems quite content to just leave wide open. Well, you know, that's something that the Republican Governors Association, uh, we're kind of in lockstep on that. I went down with Governor Abbott. The, there was 10 governors that went to the border. Uh, we put a 10-point plan together. We need to go back to the Trump policies of remain in Mexico. Um, the, we have to have a strong border. It's just beyond me. It's mind-boggling. It makes no common sense uh, to not say we have to know who's coming through our southern border. You've got the fentanyl issue that that's really what is affecting my state and bordering states to Texas. And because we know that's flooding in through the southern border uh, at the same sense, once we have a strong border, we have to have common sense uh, immigration reform. And so, uh, again, it all flows together. Ronald Reagan had an immigration policy. We need to be talking about that. But we can't even have that conversation because you're just going to be, uh, you're just going to, the mass migration is going to continue to flood in if you don't have a strong border. So, uh, again, it, I, I just can't tell you how strongly we should be, you know, defending our border, making sure we know who's coming into our country and, uh, and what, whatever it is, putting more border. Oh, thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. You know, Clay, uh, uh, it's it's a it's such an interesting stat that he brings up about Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma is not a big state, so for it, it's one thing when Florida and Texas are getting a lot of people moving to them because they've got huge populations. They're um, they're places that for a long time have been uh, you know, there's there's reasons why people would go seek them out. You know, it's interesting that Oklahoma, I think, just because of policy, uh, sure, there's economic opportunity and and you can get. Uh, good value for your money there in terms of home and co- uh, quality of life, cost of living, all that stuff. But these red states are running up the scoreboard, and the the redder they are, increasingly we see, the more people are just like, sign me up. i, I got to go to this place. I've got to figure this out and how I can how I can get there. You know, one thing that I, I was curious about, and I'm wondering if maybe we could uh, get the governor of Tennessee, as we are sitting here in Tennessee, to join us at some point and explain this, it seems to me that we're at a point uh, where with the we mentioned the trans uh, shooter manifesto it has been delayed once again. Um, could could Governor could Governor Lee just say, I mean, he's the, the head of law enforcement in the state of Tennessee, that they need to release this thing? 
You know, I, I feel like if it were Oklahoma, they would have released it. Uh, I feel like there's a little bit of a delay here. They're allowing Nashville and the Fed. So it was the FBI, the feds, and now it's Nashville PD weighing in. And someone needs to come in and say the people of this state have a right to know if they want to know what the motivation here was and what happened. No, I think you're right. And for those of you out there don't who don't know, we'll open up phone lines on this, 800-282-2882. While we've been on the air, the Nashville Police Department has put out a statement saying that due to pending litigation, they are not going to be able to release the trans manifesto. Now, the manifesto, as I understand it, Buck, is not one document. This uh, trans shooter had a bunch of different sort of journals that she was keeping that laid out the rationale behind the decision that she was making. But I've been told, and I said it on the show, that this was going to be released. Last week, the Nashville Police Department said that they were going to be releasing it, and now we're sitting 37 days out, and it still hasn't happened, and now I question whether it's ever going to be released. I I think that they could have handled this very early on by saying, Look, we understand people want to have some sense of, and you know, it's it is a public safety issue. It's a public, uh, it's an issue of of public um, need to know. We would have said in the intelligence community, right? Why did this person do what she did? Now, if it's just that she's a complete, you know, psychopathic lunatic, and there's nothing else that anyone should be aware of that was part of the motivations of this, as in political motivations of some kind then they should say that, right? They could tell us, look, we've we've scrubbed all the information we have, and here is our, our honest best assessment of motivation. And that would at least, now, I think still eventually you have to release the manifesto. But remember, they won't tell us motivation at all. Nothing. We've yes. heard nothing about this. They won't tell us motivation, and they won't release the source material. That's what makes it feel so much like a cover-up. Now, you could say, well, Buck, they could just lie about the motivation and but yeah, eventually when the information comes out, and I believe it will at some point, if they lie, then they look, hor- they, you know, that that's a massive liability for them. And I don't think, you know, I don't think that's happening right now. Um, but for them to withhold any insight on why this happened and the information, uh, itself just seems like a political, a political cover up. And, and I think everyone is, is pretty furious about it, who's been following the case closely. Buck, one thing that I've been told, and I've been holding off on saying it, but I've been told by reliable people on it, is that the reason she went to this school in her writings is detailed because she found that there was not significant security there. At its bare minimum. Compared to other schools. Compared to other schools. So, so, so think about just the political implications of that. Think of every yes. mass shooting we have seen recently that has occurred at a school. What do conservatives say? What is the position? How do we increase security? We should allow teachers to arm. That doesn't mean every teacher. It doesn't mean, you know, uh, you me, know that Mrs. Is- Ethel, who's 95, has to go in strapped. It means that you've got guys who are former law enforcement. You've got people who just want to get the training and know how to handle a weapon, who want to conceal carry, who would create that additional effect of any school shooter has to know. Maybe maybe there's an armed teacher. I don't know who it would be in the school. Plus the possibility of armed official uniform security. This is what we say. If that was taken into the mindset of the mass shooter in Tennessee, that's what I mean by we have a right to know on a policy level if these kinds of considerations are being made by the mass murderers who enter our schools with the intent to harm our children. But the Biden administration does not want that to be part of the discussion. We would know that, obviously. That's what I have been told, is that her decision to attack that school was based on going in and looking at it and seeing that it was less well-protected than other schools and other locations as well that she considered for a mass shooting, right? That by itself would be an incredible revelation because what it would reflect is something that all of you know. You can be insane and still make partly sane decisions. In other words, she didn't walk into Fort Knox, right? She didn't walk into Fort Knox and try to shoot that place up. Fort Campbell is just up the road, right, where there's tons of military. She didn't show up there and try to shoot that. She went into a religious elementary school that she believed she would be able to wreak mass chaos uh, upon. And so all of these details matter. I, I think it's consequential, as we said, with the Uvalde shooting, We need to look at every single thing there. Now, the Nashville police, to their credit, responded heroically to this shooter. 
someone. Well, it's really the the, the officers. Heroic, yes, you know, correct. There's, there's the bureaucracy of the police, which I think we yes. still have issues with. But those those officers on that day were heroic. And I think every citizen of Nashville, and I'm one of them, deserves to know why this trans shooter chose this location and what else did she put out there about her motivations Look, to do so if if there was a change if she's a terrorist okay yes. if there was a change in tactics that the terrorist made because of the issue of armed teachers and or security we have a public interest right to know that and it makes a difference the parents out there parents in nashville parents across the country should know hey Psychopathic school shooters, by the way, when I was in the CIA and we're helping, you know, JSOC uh, tag and bag the bad guys all over the world, the jihadists, there's all there's all kinds of crazy. They're still thinking about how they can kill maximum number of innocent people. They're crazy, but they're still trying to. There's a logic to their. Correct. They're they're trying to be tactically proficient. Um, But that's a, a component of this. And then also, if the media narrative about, you know, trans children not being able to get the gender affirming notice how it's no longer gender transitioning it's yeah gender affirming surgery in tennessee if that was a factor well then we should look at the rhetoric that's being used about trans genocide and the rest of the stuff that's being said left-wing media these are the kinds of things people are wondering why would we want to know these are the reasons we want to know it's not just for some idle curiosity to delve into the mind of an evil psychopath and i again if this person had been a deranged trump supporting lunatic and they had written a manifesto all of that information would be out and it would have been out within a day of the shooting we're sitting here 37 days after a crazy psychotic trans terrorist attacked innocent people in a religious school and the city of nashville has still not made all of this information public. I think it's unacceptable. To your point, Buck, Republican governor, double Republican senators, eight of the nine congressional uh, members of the Tennessee caucus are Republican as well. So I would think that all of them would be fired up about this as well. If you own a small business that employs five or more people, you may have a tax refund coming your way. It's from the IRS of all places. Part of a little-known plan, the Employee Retention Credit, that's the ERC. Not easy to get with all the paperwork involved, but the team at GetRefunds.com can help you get it done. Get started online at GetRefunds.com, and in less than 10 minutes, you can see if your business qualifies for ERC assistance. You may be eligible for a refund of up to $26,000 per employee kept on your payroll during the pandemic. GetRefunds.com has already helped clients claim over $3 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC. What can they accomplish for your business? Go to GetRefunds.com. Get paid after your business They don't get the money until your business gets paid. Why not check and see if you qualify? Go to GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. The voices of sanity in an insane world. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Welcome in. Hour number three, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Go subscribe to the podcast. Go subscribe to us on uh on youtube if you use any social media platform you type in clay travis you type in buck sexton and you my friends can be well on your way uh to uh helping hopefully to spread the word on this show now a bit of news out there the fed has raised interest rates another quarter of a point that just happened Stock market relatively quiet. The more significant thing than the quarter point raise, again, this is the most rapid rise in interest rates we have seen in two generations in 40 years. Uh, More significant than that, at least, is that the Fed said that they anticipate that they will not be raising rates anymore uh, right now. So uh, what that means, we will see how long that could last But again, the stock market, I would imagine, would react more positively, at least to the idea that the Fed is not going to be raising rates, according to this statement, another quarter point raise, but they are not going to be raising it anymore. Okay, first couple of hours, we have covered a wide variety of topics. Hunter Biden decisions on charging, according to The Washington Post, looming closer and closer. That was a breaking news story, also a breaking news story. 
Uh, the Nashville police say they will not be releasing the trans manifesto uh, because of an issue with litigation. Uh, we obviously have been talking a lot about that. And frankly, Buck, you and I are some of the only media outlets that are really hammering on this trans manifesto related story and the fact that it's not being released. The last Tucker Carlson show, which is a good segue here, I was a guest on Friday before Tucker was fired on Monday. Uh, I or removed from his show. He may not technically have been fired. Um, I was uh, on, and Tucker wanted to talk about the fact that this manifesto had not been released. And so that was the topic of discussion we had. Over the last, I would say, nine days or so, there have been abundant leaks coming out of Tucker, behind-the-scenes stories, the one today in the New York Times about text messages that Tucker may have sent. Uh, there also have been behind-the-scenes videos of Tucker that were released through Media Matters. All of these things going on that are, in many ways, I believe it's fair to say, designed to make Tucker look bad, I actually think most of the leaks have made Tucker look pretty good. Now, look, I am a Fox News employee. I sold my company, OutKick, as you guys know, two years ago to Fox. In my experience, Fox has been very good to work with, but I also understand that in the grand scheme of things, you never, when you are not the boss, you don't ever get to make all the decisions. And sometimes bosses make decisions, and you look at them and say, I don't know. I don't know all the details. I don't know all the reasons that this occurred. Like many of you, I enjoyed being a guest. I also enjoyed watching Tucker's show. And, Buck, I've been fired several times uh, in media. This may shock some of you. Some of you may be, may be out there like, you need to be fired again, Travis. I hate you. Uh, but when I started OutKick, the reason why I started OutKick was because I had just had the rug yanked out from underneath me. I was working at Fan House. I loved my job. And suddenly I didn't have a job anymore. And I know there are a lot of you out there that have small businesses as well. And that's what OutKick was when I started it. I just made the decision at that point in time, Buck, hey, if I'm going to fail, I want to fail because I made every decision and I made wrong choices. It ended up being a great opportunity for me to start my own business. But unless you are the boss, you serve at the beck and call of your employer and your employer, no matter how good you may be, and I guarantee you there's a lot of you out there listening who have found yourself in this experience, you or someone else that you think is really skilled may suddenly lose their job. Rush so, got fired seven times. Yeah. Seven times. So the greatest in the medium in history had seven different people who said, you know, you you can't work here anymore, right? Think so. about that. Seven times. I've been fired several times myself, and so I wanted to control things and, Buck, I, I know you feel strongly about this, too, because you've been a guest a bunch of times on Tucker, and he's a friend of yours, and you know him well. As these leaks are continuing, yeah. I, I mean, it, 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 it just... Look, here's here's a couple things, a couple things. First of all, I've never been paid a dollar by Fox News, which is, I think, a shock to, when some people hear that because they've seen me going on for years. Fox News has literally never even... They never even, uh, you know, sent me a reimbursement check for, like, taking a cab or something. Yeah. So I've never gotten a single solitary dollar from Fox. Okay. Um, never been an employee, never been a contributor. So here's the first order of business. Where is this stuff coming from? Yes. The Where leaks. are the leaks coming from? What is going on here? Because one thing in the media business is you have to trust, you know, we have on this show, something that we're very fortunate. We inherited Russia's team. So we inherited the best in the business, not only in terms of their being really good at what they do but also proving a loyalty and a trustworthiness to Rush and to his enterprise, you know, personally and professionally for, you know, over 20 years in the case of, of everyone who's kind of uh, senior personnel on our show, right? So that, that's, that's an amazing thing. Because um, anyone in the media knows if you have people around you in your immediate sphere who want to, um, you know, cut what you say off camera out of context – who want to try to get some kind of oppo or compromising material on you based upon off-air conversations, you know, it, it's uh, you're, you're we're in a business where we're talking a lot, saying a lot of things. 
that puts you in a precarious position pretty quickly. So first off, where is this stuff coming from? Megyn Kelly has already come out, who was obviously a huge, uh, huge personality herself at Fox News for many years, and she has straight up said that this is coming from Fox. Um, there are other people who are suggesting that there's some sort of mole or even a a hack into the line or something else. But we do want to figure this one out because uh, you, you know you shouldn't have a situation where Tucker has not has not attacked Fox. He has not attacked any Fox personnel. He has not done anything dirty at all in a professional relation to Fox. He has conducted himself like nothing but a gentleman up to this point in time, and I would defy anybody to find any evidence to the contrary, and I would want to hear what that could possibly be. Okay, so the one thing is where are the leaks coming from? A lot of people have already decided they think this is coming from his former employer, but there are people who say, hold on, we don't know that, so we have to see. All right, then there's the what are we learning about the leaked information about Tucker Carlson? And for the people that know him from his work, and I think even people that know him from, you know, day-to-day life, they're like, yeah, this is Tucker. He's irreverent. He's funny. He's low-key. He's talented. He's, uh, you know, he's he's off the cuff. And his whole thing is he's willing to say things on air and off air that he believes to be true, that he believes to be self-effacing, and that he believes may get people in trouble for saying who aren't in a position to say it, and he wants to change that. So I don't think there's been any, for, for people who, who watch that show, I don't think there's been any brand damage to Tucker from any of this. Um, it's, it's interesting to see. I think there's even more of a rally, rally around uh, Tucker effect from some of this stuff. And it, it still leaves out there what is going to happen next. But so th- that would be, that's my top line on this. Uh, you're seeing people who are trying to make a big deal of this and trying to suggest that, oh, my gosh, and, like, this is why and whatever. Um, I don't know. Anybody who watches Tucker, who actually, because the people who hate him, right? It's Clay, it's, we see this all the time. Oh, I, you know, how many people have you heard? Oh, I, I, hated, I hated Rush Limbaugh. He's such a bad guy. And you go, literally, did you ever one time in your entire yeah. life listen to the Rush Limbaugh show? No, but, you know, Al Franken and John Stewart and blah, blah, they said he's terrible. You know, you have so much of that in the media. Not a single person, um, not a single person, I think, who is a Tucker watcher feels like anything other than what happened to our guy? Why isn't he still on the air? And the Tucker that you're seeing is the Tucker that we've all expected and known for years on and off camera. I, th- I think that's the real perception of the people who pay attention to it. I think you get blown up, Buck, when your public persona is different than your private behavior. And I don't think, I, look, I don't think anybody out there who does what we do thinks that it's fair when a off-air mic moment or an off uh, something that is not intended for public consumption that is clearly not intended for public consumption for instance i wouldn't th- i would be upset if one of our conversations during commercial break uh suddenly gets leaked right not because what we're saying during commercial break is really very much different than what we say on the air but just because I would think, who actually grabbed that and shared it? Like, that is a, a violation. Yeah, so, it's a betrayal. Some, someone here, unless you believe the, the and I don't think, I look, I think very few people do believe that there's a, a hack or a mole, but there's a betrayal here yeah. of sharing information about somebody who there was a relationship with who, um, you know, had an expectation of some off-air privacy. Because, look, you could do this. Everyone listening to this knows this. Oh, you say, okay, well, you know, you're an on-air person. Now, Tucker was an on-air personality, so he has to expect all of us, my friends, can be on-air personalities in any job. You can be a greeter at Kmart, or actually Kmart doesn't exist anymore, does it? You can be a greeter (laughs) at Walmart. Thank you. I was like, that would be really tough. A greeter at Walmart, and one of your colleagues, you know, in the break room pulls out a video of you and decides that they're going to share it online, and you're sharing your political thoughts or something. Now you know how it feels, right? If you don't know, you're being recorded yeah. in that moment. It can happen to absolutely anybody. And I think that there's also a sense here, too, of how many people really believe that they don't say things? Who doesn't say things in private or think about things in private, whether they're talking to family or friends, but, you know, not on air? You know, when we talk about something here, we know it's going to millions of people. Yes. And there's a responsibility with that. This is why we're careful with language, you know, alleged this or don't have evidence or for that. So far, or, we know. haven't said a banned word on the air. Right. You know, there are expectations for what we say over the microphone that we live by and we understand. But 
you know, you're home with with your wife or with, you know, one of your family members or I'm, I'm home with, with my wife and we're having a conversation for someone to intrude on that. Now, you could say, oh, but it's going on in the workplace. All right. Yeah, there's levels here. But I mean, how many of you would even feel comfortable if you found out that your workplace was mic'd up 24 seven? You know, everything you say all the time is going to go over to Mike. Who doesn't grumble about their job a little bit? Who doesn't have moments where they think leadership? I, I don't know anybody who doesn't think that at some point the people who are signing their checks are making a mistake or whatever. Now, it's insubordinate to go say that to their face, but to share it in what you think is a private moment with somebody and then get blown up over it, which this is another thing that's happened with Tucker, um, that I think feels like a, a real violation. Yeah, and what I would say, however, even with understanding all of that, is I also think if our private conversations were leaked in between breaks, for instance, most people would say, yeah, that's basically what I would think Clay and Buck's private conversation would sound like. It sounds like what we say on air just with the occasional curse word, if you really want to know. Yes. And so if that were to happen, I don't think it would actually matter that much. To your point, yes, the fact that it's out there is a betrayal, but what I see in so far the public data and public release from this Tucker situation is it basically solidifies that there's not that much of a difference between Tucker Carlson on air and Tucker Carlson in real life. And to the extent that that is true, no matter who you are as a media figure, that is, I think, what people want more than anything. I think you crave everyone out there listening right now, desperately authenticity because we live in an inauthentic age. And so you'll forgive Buck or me or anybody else in media if we sometimes get things wrong. What you won't forgive, and I don't blame you because I feel the same way, is if someone is publicly pretending to be one thing and privately they are another. That hypocrisy, that dichotomy, that difference between reality and public performance is what blows people up, and I have not seen any release or leak so far that does anything other than make people who are Tucker fans think, oh, that's why I'm a fan of that. I'd also just say radio as a medium, it's harder to, you know, we Clay and I have both done all the other stuff out there, TV and everything, still doing TV. Um, It's harder to hide for three hours a day on radio. I can't act. You you can't do it. I couldn't do it. And this audience knows that. I mean, you all got to know Rush so well over so many years. And and it's the same thing when people come up to us who listen to the show every day. You know how we are because on radio, it's just it's too much of a of a trip through the mind of the person talking to you or in our case, minds uh, for three hours every day. You know, inflation has affected everything out there. And look, it's really stubborn right now for gun owners. The cost of getting the range and buying ammo and training, it's just gone way up. Thankfully, there's a more cost efficient way to keep your skills sharp. It's called dry fire practice, and you can do it with the Mantis X, a device that attaches to your firearm like a weapon light. You connect that to your smartphone and the Mantis X app. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique. It's really cool to have the ability to monitor your progress this way. Nearly everyone, I'm talking everyone, of 94% of, of Mantis X users buy the stats, show improvement within 20 minutes of using this device, and it only gets better from there. This product is now being used by U.S. military and special forces. It's military-grade technology at an affordable price, and it's a must-have for every gun owner. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. From the front lines of freedom and truth. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... 
Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. It, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are here in the Nashville studio, and we are joined now by Raymond Arroyo. Uh, Let me just mention this as we bring in Raymond. House Oversight Committee says an FBI whistleblower has provided evidence that Joe Biden, as vice president, was accepting payouts from foreign nationals in exchange for policy decisions that coming down from the house oversight committee in the last 15 minutes we'll see where exactly it goes but i just want to let everybody that know that that's going on raymond you are in town here in nashville where buck and i are doing the show and i was just flipping through this is really cool you have written a kid's book and it's called the unexpected light of thomas alva edison and it's about struggles and when edison was a young kid yeah um it's really a cool story well it's a story i didn't know anything about i stumbled across a quote from edison in one of these big doorstop biographies we never read and in the back it says my mother was the making of me if not for her devotion and faith in me at a certain time i would never have become an inventor edison said that to multiple interviewers at the end of his life and i thought wait a minute who is this mother and why haven't i ever heard of her Well, when I started digging, I realized Edison at eight years old was thrown out of school. The schoolmaster said he's an idiot and can't be taught. His father said he was a dunce because he was a very withdrawn child, probably had ADHD. We know he was deaf by 12, but his mother had belief in him, saw the curiosity, took him home and homeschooled him. I frankly don't know why Edison today isn't the patron saint of homeschooling because Look at what this guy created. That was the end of his formal schooling with his mother. And she allowed him to do something we should remember with our own kids and that I discovered through writing this book. A child learns with their eyes and their head, yes, but most importantly, with their hands and their feet. Edison learned both ways. He absorbed the theory of electricity and the science of the time. Then he tinkered and he played and he pulled and he changed and he played with the the challenges before him. And he often said... Giving up is the worst weakness in American life. Giving up. He never gave up. And that's why he was allowed and uh, able to create the phonograph and the microphones we're talking on. Uh, The the telegraph receptors, alkaline batteries, things we take for granted. The first motion picture camera, all of this, was Thomas Alva Edison. And I call this a turnabout tale. It's the first book in this series because we all face obstacles. We all face these huge challenges. And in the case of Edison and in our lives, the obstacle is not the end of your journey. It's the portal to your future and your destiny if you make the right decision in it. And he and his mother made the right decision when he was thrown out of school at eight. The book is The Unexpected Light of Thomas Alva Edison. Raymond Arroyo, the author, he's with us here now in studio. You were just mentioning um, off. We were talking about off mic before. Yeah. Be careful of off, off mic now. Yeah, but, but you were just you were mentioning before how cool it is to go and see some of the great Edison historic locations. Yeah, I, mean, I always think it's fun for us. So I, I like to nerd out with that stuff. I now I know I'm going to have 
negotiations with my my wife going forward about because I want I'm like let's go to Malta. She's like, why do you want to go to Malta? I'm like, because I want to see the siege fortifications, right. obviously. But you know, also good food and pretty stuff. <laughs> but it sounds like this is a thing. I mean, this is obviously a book you're gearing toward younger younger readers and parents can get family reads, Fa- family family reads, I mean. reads, right? But but also family visits. What are some of the the great locations? Because I feel well, you mentioned the, the being able to feel the stuff, yeah. to see and touch and feel some of what Edison's life was uh, would be really interesting. Well, Buck, as a writer, nothing fills you more and puts you in the moment than going to those places. So I went to all of them. And by the way, there's the retirement home or the summer home of Edison that Henry Ford and he shared in Fort Myers, which is really cool. And they have a chemistry lab, the private. I, which I you took saw. my kids there. Yeah, uh, I took my kids. We were just in Fort Myers last week. It is uh, the winter home of Edison. Right. The 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 vegetation, you know, he, pl- he planted you know these these trees from all over the world, and the labs are there. It's a really cool thing if you're down in the South Florida area and you're looking for something a little bit educational that your kids would also enjoy. It's pretty yeah. fantastic. And there. the West Orange facility, the Edison Labs, there. This is the lab he built. And that's where light bulbs were produced. He refined the phonograph there. He recorded hundreds of artists on the second floor for his own record label. By the way, we're here in Music City. The guy who created music, recorded music, is Edison. He had his first record label. Hundreds of artists and orchestras went up there. Here's the cool thing. You can't see it. It's not on display, but I've seen it at other places. He attached a piece of wood to the bottom of the phonograph, and he would bite down on that piece of wood because he was deaf. That's how he heard the music that was recorded. You can see, though, that music room with the big horn that he listened to music on there. It is untouched since 1931 when he died. So to walk through that is really to touch American innovation, American know-how, American stick-to-itiveness. And that's what the story of the unexpected light of Thomas Alva Edison touches for me. But when I talk to kids, so many kids with ADHD or learning difficulties, they say, well, I can't do this, or I, I, I don't learn the way my friends do. Neither did Edison, and he was the greatest innovator of the time. And that's all I want kids to take away. If they just take that, and if parents realize you have a huge responsibility to nurture the light within that child, that's what Nancy Edison did. And we're still basking in the glow of what Edison gave us. In fact, right now. Literally, literally yes. basking yeah. in, in and the, communicating in the the, via the microphone he created. Now, I have to ask. I know this isn't. I would I would assume in the, in the scope of of the book. But how do you break down? Because you've done all this research into Edison. And by the way, the you're unexpected, not going to bring up Tesla, the, are you, Buck? You know, I'm going to Tesla right <laughs> you now. You and everybody else bring up Team Tesla. Tesla versus Team Edison. Okay. AC DC. You know, the experiments and all this stuff. You seem very, I don't know, man. It's just like Alabama Auburn. Yeah, yeah. No, very... to Buck's point, when I tweeted that I was at the Fort, uh, Fort Myers Edison place, and I think I put up a picture of all it. The Tesla, the Tesla, hey, the Tesla people, people also jumped in the comments. The Tesla I mean, I fans, right? Well, I'm going to set, let me set the record straight. Yes. First of all, I'm dealing with young yeah, Thomas Alva Edison. Yeah. Right. Tesla wasn't even born when this happened, okay? But, This is an important lesson here that young people and families can gather. However, let me settle. Now, some of you Tesla people are going to get upset with me. But look, Musk already gave Tesla his due. Okay. Yes. Tesla was hired by Thomas Alva Edison, who we should say long before Tesla came around or anybody even knew who the hell Tesla was. Thomas Alva Edison was an international name. He had an office. He was so big, he had an office in Paris that was developing an electrical grid, and he hired an engineer by the name of Tesla to come work for him. He paid Tesla to refine the dynamo, which he did. And Tesla said he didn't pay me as much as I was entitled to. Well, I might think my employer's not paying me enough either. Join the club. Yeah, but you're an employee. You're putting your work in. And so Tesla went off in a huff. He banded together with Westinghouse, George Westinghouse, and together they challenged Thomas Edison's direct current as opposed to alternating current. Well, he won. Tesla won the war. The current war was won by Tesla. But George Westinghouse put the screws to Tesla. So go throw nasty comments at Westinghouse. (laughs) Edison was a guy who hired Tesla. And yes, Edison at times could pirate technology and refine it and then patent it himself. There's no talking that away. But I'm sorry. 
Tesla did not give Edison every invention that he is known for like, today. This kind of mirrors for me a little bit some of our callers with the Trump DeSantis thing of like, oh, where yeah. would he be without right. Trump's endorsement? <laughs> and, you know, it's, Edison Tesla feels like that a little bit. Well, people like these teams, you know, whether it's Twilight or a football game, they somehow everybody's got to choose a team. Take the good from both of the men. They were both incredible inventors. But Edison, the, the, the lasting nature of what Edison created is really unmatched. So Incredible. Sounds like a fantastic book. I think you're doing signings, right? I am. I'm doing signings. In fact, I'm at the Barnes & Noble Cool Springs on Saturday morning in Nashville in Brentwood yep. uh, near you yep, that's right. uh, at 11 a.m. on Saturday. I hope people will come out. I'll be signing and talking. And please, we're only going to have a, a very limited Tesla mud wrestling match. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the Tesla stands are <laughs> going to show small. up with their Tesla T-shirts and their electric vehicles. And, you know, 11 a.m. Central here in Brentwood if you uh, on Saturday, if you're in this area. Cool Springs, BNN. And by the way, you know who created the first electric car ever devised? I would assume it would our, be our buddy Edison. Thomas Edison. He was friends with, with Henry Ford. He said, I can do an electric version of this. He did it. Henry Ford said, it's too much to replicate these batteries. No, we're not going to do it. And canned, killed the electric car. That's how far-reaching this guy was. And he was a tinkerer. He wasn't even a learned guy. He was a workman, a craftsman, and... Um, and and deliberate about yeah. creation. It's like the Leonardo da Vinci of West Orange, New Jersey. You got it. The there Wizard of Menlo Park. All righty. You know, friends, when it comes to finding the right Mother's Day gift, there's all kinds of ways you can go. The important thing is that the gift you choose comes with some thought behind it. Let's face it. Anyone can hop online and just get flowers or something like that, right? But you want something that shows a little bit of extra thought and something that's going to last for a long time. We're encouraging you to do something sentimental this Mother's Day. Get in touch with our friends at Legacy Box. This is the Tennessee-based company that digitally preserves family memories so they last forever. Home videos shot on old-school camcorders, Super 8 film, old photos and slides, even old audio cassette tapes can be digitally transferred. That way you can always see, hear, and share them with family just with the touch of a button on your phone. Who will enjoy revisiting all those memories more than mom, by the way? You know mom's going to love it. Sign up with Legacy Box today. Have them send you one of their specially made shipping boxes. You and mom fill it with the videotapes and photos you want saved forever. You ship it to Legacy Box's team of specially trained technicians who treat your memories as if they were their own. In several weeks, you get your stuff back along with the digital files, and they communicate with you every step of the process so you know just how it's going. Go now. Check it out. Go to LegacyBox.com slash buck for their best Mother's Day sale ever, 60% off their regular prices legacybox.com slash buck is the website it's a great mother's day gift trust me on this one and it's 60 percent off download and use the new clay and buck app listen to the program live catch up on any part of the show you might have missed use your cnb 24 7 subscription to get access to the guys find the clay and buck app in your app store and make it part of your day more Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.